What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of my podcast. Thanks to all of you who have been watching all my episodes. I appreciate you. And um, this week is a good episode. I have, as you can see by the title, Frank Leonardo's. He's the author of this book. Ooh. Um, it's a story of his life growing up with an abusive father, without a mother. So yeah, we get into a lot of his story on the podcast, and that's what his book is about. But um, yeah, thank you all who have been watching. Um, if you think that you have an interesting story to share, I would love to have some more people on the podcast. So if you think you have something interesting to share, hit me up and we'll see about it. But anyway, let's get into the episode. I hope you enjoy it. If you do like it, leave a comment, subscribe, and uh, thanks for watching. See you next time. I don't know a ton about you. I looked over your Instagram a little bit, but I like to, if I have a, someone I don't know, it's kind of fun just to get to know them on the podcast. Yeah, right? no, that's fine. So, um, one thing I noticed on Instagram that you used to lift, or you still do? Yes. That's something I'm into as well. So. I can tell. <laughs> it, it's, uh, for like the past year, I've been more serious than ever, I guess, just, yeah, just about my health in general, but lifting too. What, uh, what's your favorite move? Oh, um... It's a tough one. It changes, but I'm looking at your arms and I see tree trunks over there. So <laughs> I don't know, man. It's, I I like like I would say chest, but that's not even because like my shoulder kind of hurts when I do chest. So yeah. like back, I don't know. I just like uh, I don't I don't think I have a favorite, but I like um, I like deadlifting different types of deadlifting regular deadlifting yep. rdls because you get like all the hamstrings and up yeah there. yeah great that's, core activation too right i don't know if it's my favorite but that's one that's up there it's not that fun per se but it's a great movement if you you don't have to go heavy i don't try to go too heavy because i'm not trying to be strong i'm just trying to be in good shape and, yeah you know don't need to hurt the body well how are you into it just for the fun of it too or did you do it for anything serious or uh, a lot of it came from just being more self-conscious of myself yep, same. <laughs> over the years and same. just like, I wasn't fat growing up, but I was definitely overweight. I mean, I was bullied a lot too Yeah, and just, I wanted to create the best version of myself. I knew I needed to do that too because I was with my fiance Katie at the time and just, I needed to get healthy, healthier yeah. habits. Yeah. It's such a, it makes such a difference on your whole like your mental and physical being like just your overall wellness of life like i notice if i don't go to the gym for like a week or work out at all you know it's just like i get yeah, more depressed yeah it it's something about going for a, a hard exercise it just like clears everything out of your mind it's refreshing mm -hmm. yeah and then like the rest of your life is better too if you're in better shape it's just easier i agree more fun yeah we're in it for the long haul. Yeah. It's like why why wait? Start now. Yeah. We have we have this wonderful body, but it's up to us to run it like a Ferrari or like a Toyota, you know? Yeah, no, I agree. And one of the most biggest parts of any type of exercise also is the nutrition portion of it, which a Absolutely. lot of people don't understand. Absolutely. What's like your eating or what's like your method of eating because there's like different ways that different people do it i try to eat four to five meals a day really yep anything specific or just like uh eggs for breakfast three to five i'm getting a little tired of them here and there yeah uh, <laughs> i love eggs a lunch i would do mostly like chicken chicken spinach and rice uh -huh. 
Uh, then I'll have a second lunch around three, four o'clock. Some more a protein, carb, and a vegetable. Yeah. Uh, my fourth or fifth meal will be a protein shake and then another protein shake before bed with some egg whites in it. Yeah. Uh, my Astroflow protein powder and blueberries. Nice. So do you like eating four times a day? It's a lot of, it's a lot to like always like, all right, here's my food. Now I got to eat like every four, every like three or four hours. Yeah. Right? yeah. I've grown to enjoy it. Uh, one of the things I enjoy about it is that, so I like, I always try, I always try to like lose weight uh-huh. and you can't really lose weight if your body's already accustomed to only eating 1500 calories a day. Someone taught me that. Okay. And my body was so used to eating just about 1500 calories a day. I, you can't really cut after that. You can't really lose weight if you're ready. How much more can you cut out of your food, your, your meals? Yeah. So, uh, my coach, she bumped up my calorie intake and it's been, it's been great. So nice. So you've been, uh, bulking up a little bit, a little bit. Yeah. yeah that's cool. When did you start the, the lifting and health? 2019 ish right around there that's a good time right before covid to get in yep because if you didn't do it before covid you might have went downhill yeah i didn't even fatter seriously no i did a lot of beach body at first i I loved beach body i'm one of my favorite people ever sean t one of my biggest influences yeah uh, I was doing all this insanity workouts, max I 30, definitely, asylum. I know yeah. the names. So I've definitely done some of those like yeah. way back in the day. Yeah, Those yeah. are so intense. Right? Oh, they're it's different. Like, yeah. It's like free, uh, just body weight, right? Like yep, just body weight. core and Everything. stuff like that. Yep, yeah. Whole body. Yeah, those are good exercises. Get get some sweat out with that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I, I like running too, so I have a trail behind my house. Really? It's great for, um, it goes through like the trees, so you just go run and. Mm-hmm. Or walk, either way. But it's, it. I don't think I think walking's better for you. But I enjoy running, just like the feeling it gives me if I go on a long run. Mm-hmm. But I also don't like it, so I only do it like in phases because it's like running sucks, you know. But the feeling I get when I go on a long run is is great. So if I like just get into the groove, then like I'll do it. But just the thought of going on a long run's like, eh, who wants to run? Exactly. <laughs> but the sense of achievement afterwards yeah. as well. Yeah. Uh, for example, two years ago, I did a 10-mile race did you? Uh, with some of my buddies, and wow. 10 miles, yeah. I've never felt a pain in my legs or anywhere in my body more than that. So it was, we didn't really train going into it, yeah. which wasn't very smart, but it was, it was a nightmare afterwards. Right, for a couple of days, probably. I did um, a half marathon wow. a couple of years ago. That's like, same thing, 13 miles. But I'm um, saying, like, next day, dude, I could probably couldn't walk. That day, I couldn't even walk after I ran. I just, like, had to. Tired. Yeah. It's, yeah. So, like you said, never felt anything like that in my legs mm-hmm. before. It's insane. But you just keep going. Like, for me, at that time, I had a friend with me. So, like, we just talked and just kind of forgot about pain and just ran. Yeah. <laughs> and then eventually adrenaline kicks in and you just keep going. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. How was that for you? Did you? Did you like run the whole the whole time? Oh, I did. Uh, yeah, me and my buddy said it was also partial obstacle course too. Oh wow! And wow, and we we were there for each other, pushing each yeah. other to get through it. But none of us have ever done anything like that before. Was, ever was it like a tough mutter? Yes, that's okay. a tough mutter. No, Ten mile, the, tough mutter, dude. That that's like, I think that's harder than a half marathon because you have the the, the obstacles. obstacles yeah. yeah, that's something that I've seen them been like damn i should do that but never did oh they're a blast i would suggest yeah. anybody if not just the smaller three mile rugged maniacs yeah. or something like that but it's but... better with friends right so you can oh yeah push yourself through yeah yeah 
Yeah, I gotta get me signed up for one of those. Yeah. So four times a day, that's a lot of eating. I did that for a short period of time, but I just didn't didn't stick to it. I don't really like I don't really stick to a diet too much. I just kinda I try to stick to like protein and fat and stay away from carbs. That's like kind of my like route, but I also struggle with food addiction. So I like eating <laughs> yeah. I like eating junk food, you know? Mm-hmm. So I don't like when I say I eat a certain way, it doesn't mean I do it perfectly, but I mostly just eat like once or twice a day, honestly, and mm-hmm. mostly protein and fat. So like wow. beef and eggs. Yeah, yeah. A lot of beef and eggs. Yeah. Yeah. Then like sometimes, you know, like fruit and things like that. You said a junk food, what's your favorite junk food? Oh, <laughs> um, I like like, so I don't like eat bread normally because it, it's not, I've found that, I've found found certain things that don't agree with my body as well. And bread's one of those. So like really? when, I'm eating, when I'm eating junk food, like, you know, pizza or like fried, something bready or fried, you know? Yeah. <laughs> just as bad as I can go. Yep. Yeah. Do you have like cheat meals or do you just like kind of? Yeah, I do have some cheat meals. Probably over the weekends, I do a little more than I'd like to do. But it's so hard to like maintain. I don't know. For me, it's so hard to maintain a structure of eating perfectly and then one cheat meal and eating perfectly one cheat meal. It's it's almost better if I just let myself if I need to eat junk food. Yeah, eat it, get it out, and then like, Balance. and then I'll, and then find like a rhythm of like, all right, I can eat this. But if I force myself to, it's uh, it's so hard. It's just discipline, I guess. Discipline of finding a balance uh-huh. of what makes that's, that's you thing. happy. That's it. It's always a balance because for somebody, it might be like this. For somebody else, it might be like that. Yeah. Yeah. No two people are the same. How often do you work out? Five or six times a week. Oh, yeah? I try to get to And then I try to do three days of cardio in the mornings. Oh, yeah. I was going to ask you to do cardio. What, kind, what type of cardio do you do? Elliptical, typically. Elliptical. That's the, the one... What's that one? The one where you put your two feet on and... Yeah, like, and your arms yeah, are yeah, going. Yeah. How long? Uh, 20 minutes in the morning. Yeah. 20 minutes, because I found out that I I do need to do cardio. Yeah. I do some, but I'm not too good at it. It just depends, like, if, if I have something coming up where I want to be in good shape, I do it for, like, two weeks, you know? Yeah. I can... I can um gain and lose weight, like, pretty quickly if I need to. Like, really? I can gain or lose 10 pounds in a week if wow. I want to. Yeah. That's pretty wild. So like my eating habit my eating habits directly reflect like my current state. Like it goes so quick. So for a week I eat sh- like shit, I'll get fatter. And yeah, yeah. if I eat good again, I'll slim yep. down like yep. that quick. That's wild. That's pretty sweet. That's that's, that's pretty good genetics right there. I, I... It's nice. It's nice cuz then I can get in shape, but then also like and and it is good cuz like as soon as I eat something, I'll notice it. So mm-hmm. it's like it keeps me in check in real time. But like I don't think everybody's like that. People I talk to are like, it takes like more time for like this and that. I don't know. Everybody's for me, I feel like if I fight a burger, I'll put on five, 10 pounds. Right It'll take a week or two for me to get it off. Like, oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 I just like, I don't know. My metab, my, uh, something with my body just works real fast. But, yeah. Yeah. Gains and loses. But like, I've never had a problem gaining weight it's always the other way around for me i have some friends like who are into lifting who like they have to eat like a lot of food so they can build muscle but for me it's always been the opposite like i want to eat a lot of food but i have to watch myself or i could get like real big yeah, if yeah. i wanted to yeah yeah i could get really fat real fast mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah i don't want that i've always been um scared of like 
being fat when I'm old. Mm-hmm. Can't let that happen. <laughs> I don't know why. Yeah, the, the the thing about being overweight is that you can't do as much as you could. Exactly. You're like, even I, I played sports in high school. That's what got me into lifting and all that. So I just kept it up. And then like, even when I was in sports playing shape versus not, it's like when you start going on a walk or doing physical activities, mm-hmm. you notice it. Like even if just not being in shape, if you're used to being in sports playing shape. Yeah, like if you want kids, you want to be be able to be active exactly. with your kids. And if you have good genes when you conceive a kid, they'll they'll turn out better. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Um, another thing I saw on Instagram, redirecting here, um, public speaking. Is that something you do? I saw yep. the one you were up there with a big screen in the back. It looked like you were at a conference talking. Yeah. Um, so I've done a few live speeches so far. Like and... motivational speaking? Yep. Okay. Yep. And they are a blast. Yeah. That is me out there living my dream. Living, living your best life. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That was, that's it. That's awesome. I can't yeah. ask for much more in, yeah. in life than doing that. How do, um, like, how do you get it? A into doing that how do you get to go about getting hired to motivational speak to someone so it all started off with my book oh okay you wrote a book i did what was that about it was about my life from about five to six years old until i turned 21 and i kind of stopped it at 21 yeah and in my book i talk a lot about abuse um uh grief loss Mm -hmm. bullying Mm -hmm. the foster care system and just other stuff to show that no matter what you've gone through, there's always a way out. And that's amazing. Yeah. Maintain hope. Yeah. And then you wrote that and then that got you some attention and then you wanted yes. to start speaking so that you were able to get gigs from that. Yep. Yeah. That's awesome. And my, my main target audience is high schools. Okay. High schools and foster homes and those type of events where I can keynote speak yeah. to a whole bunch of kids and it's just awesome because everybody I've spoken to so far has been so well receptive of everything that I've talked about. That's amazing. That that feels good uh, to know that what you feel is helping other people. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you think is like your, like, what's the best, qual- like, what's like your, I don't know how to put into words, like the best thing that you have to offer as far as like when you're on stage, like what's like the thing that you feel like you have to offer people to motivate them like what do you what what do you feel like is your i don't know do you know what i'm saying i do like what's like because that people can be motivational but there's always something that gives you the edge yeah what's your thing so a big thing is i've experienced a lot of trauma Mm -hmm. and the biggest thing i've gone through is the cycle of violence Mm -hmm. in my opinion and just showing kids and showing adults and anybody that once they're in that cycle, they can break the cycle. They don't have to live through that cycle and be like their fathers or mothers mm-hmm. or siblings or in relationships. They don't need to keep that abuse going. You right. can stop it. You can break that cycle. Yeah. And I have just a unique way of telling my story out yeah. there. And I I don't know much more to say about yeah, it. Like- <laughs> that's what it's about. You, you, you know what you went through and like you know how to relay that to people so they can maybe get some something from it and get through it themselves yes yeah that's what it's all about just find it because like we all go through things and there's somebody out there that relates to to us in some way you know every day and i always say this towards the end of my speeches but my story 
barely scratches the surface of what some of these kids go through. Mm-hmm. Barely. Yeah, absolutely. Everybody goes through something different every single day. Very it's, true. And everybody handles things differently. Very true. And I think like certain people like you, you went through that and then you were given the gift to talk to other people about it to help them. And like, even though they might be going through it worse than you, you, you're the one who was provided the gift to help them with it. So it's like everyone just doing their job and then it, it all works out. Right? Yeah. 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 That's amazing. Once you find like, I, I sometimes feel like I'm part of it, but I'm still like looking for that. Like, what's that one thing that for me, that's like where I can contribute to the world the most, you know, like mm-hmm. to help with my skills. Cause I, there are certain things, you know, that I know that I'm good at and I like doing, but I still haven't found that one thing where it's just like, all right, this is what I need to, this is what my gift is to the world, you know? Mm-hmm. From what I've seen in you just from that short period of time at the show was that you have high energy. Yes. You're passionate, very passionate. And I don't know if anybody sees this back here, the DJ Amos thing, <laughs> but uh, that's passion you have. Yeah, you have right. the drive. And I know we talked a little bit about it earlier, but you've got to want that life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I, I definitely know I have passion. I have energy. It's just, I guess, finding like DJing is one great way to, to, to express that, which I love. That's why I like DJing. Cause like, I've always liked music, but I never learned an instrument. So that was my way to get my foot in the door. And mm-hmm. plus like dancing, dance, going out, to my friends' bands and like dancing and making the whole party like up up as well as what I've always done. So like just bring that on stage. It's it's fun that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's definitely one great vessel to because I feel like it's there's so many things in the world you can do, but at the end of the day, it's like it's about it's about how you treat other people, but and like what you put into the world, but then there's like different vessels to that, like public speaking or like singing mm-hmm. or DJing. You know? Yeah. It, it's almost all for the same common purpose right. that we're trying to help other people in right, some exactly. type of way. Yeah. And with music, I don't know a person in this world that doesn't like music. Mm-hmm. Music exactly. has brought everyone together in some type of way, whether it's concerts, yeah. shows, anything. I agree. Just like the, when I'm at a concert in the crowd, if like somebody's on that everyone knows, like there's no greater unity in the world than that moment where we're all singing one song just because we're just there to have a good time. Mm-hmm. No hate, just just um, oneness. Yeah, it's like yeah. the greatest sense of community there is. It's mm-hmm. amazing. And I always say like, I think music brings people together more than anything. And so I feel like once somebody makes the perfect song that every because there's no song that everybody in the world likes yeah once someone makes one song that everyone in the world can connect to and sing along to i feel like yeah. that's when humanity will be at peace right which is a hard thing to do yeah because everybody's different but i feel like i feel like there's one song out there that hasn't been invented that everybody will like yeah no I, <laughs> who knows and i mean there's songs out there millions and millions and millions of people like exactly is- and like that have impacted many people's yeah. lives in so many ways mm-hmm just like the feeling of music, it's it's a way of communication that's more powerful than words, I feel like, because mm-hmm. you can, yeah, it's just amazing how, I it's, I love nothing more than watching talented like musicians like pianists or whatever, they just yes. know, like 
they just feel it. They just know the music. It's amazing to watch. You go here, you say this, you go here, you say that, and you go back around. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's one of my favorite things to experience and watch. But Do you watch a lot of TV or no? Or movies? Mm, mostly these days YouTube, if anything, or TikTok. But yeah. I used to watch a fair amount of movies and TV. Okay, yeah. Rocky Balboa? Yeah. Rocky? Yeah, I've seen those. Yeah, um, Stallone's the man, but... I the tiger and some well, before I speak, I loved having like his on and it just it hypes me up. Yeah, it hypes the crowd up. It's like, yeah, okay, what are we in for? We're going in today. It gets everyone. Yeah, on, like you get everyone on your wavelength. Kind of you're like, all right, yeah. this is where we're going. Get yep. ready. Yeah, and it, it calms me mm -hmm. before I go out on stage and mm -hmm. speak. Yeah, yeah, it's the amazing thing about music. You. Yeah put on a song before you got like walk-up songs for anything sports yeah. comedy comedians musicians anybody has a walk-up song it's like representing like all right this song's how i want this to go or whatever you know it's like yeah. a way to let a way to talk to people without talking to people mm -hmm. uh short story back in my pro wrestling days no way. yeah yeah it was very short-lived career very yeah. short-lived uh the song I came out to was called Heart of a Warrior. It was so funny because I, I loved that song back in like 2015 and 2014 in one of the video games, yeah. the wrestling video game it came out in. And I was like, wow, I'm going to use this song to come out on stage and wrestle a match. Yeah. That was, and it was, it was awesome. Nice. Where was this um, wrestling at? Where? Uh, York, Pennsylvania. York, okay. Just a, a small company called PPCW. But yeah. How long did you do that? I'd say around two to three years. Oh, wow. Um, and then my last match... I was suplexing somebody, and he landed on my rotator cuff. And after that, my arm hasn't been the same. Dang. So I can see it happening again. I can, I could, I'll probably wrestle again. I don't know when, but the circumstances will have to be right. That's incredible. How'd you get into that? Well, I've been a huge WWE fan my entire life. Oh. Uh, do you, Do you know what WWE? Is? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm not like I've never watched it much. I mean, but like I, I know about it a little okay. bit, and like there's. I don't know, two or three wrestlers that people are like, you look like this guy, that guy, yeah, to yeah. me a few different times. So, yeah. What wrestler? Um, shit, who was it? I forget his name. He has blonde He has blonde hair like me. That's why I guess blonde, blonde I'm, I'm hair. trying to figure out who it is. There was looking two at different like... people, but there's one person that I've gotten multiple times. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But, yeah, wrestling. So, some of my guys were like Sean T, or oh my gosh, Beachbody. Uh, Shawn Michaels, Triple H, John Cena, those those yeah. kind of guys, those yeah. played huge influences on me. And nice. Uh, I also I first started watching wrestling back when I was living with my dad, and we were just channel flipping, and we saw these two guys that would put up the X, and they were called Degener yeah Degeneration X, <laughs> and uh, I, they were just so funny, and they could tell a good story. Yeah, and they were always kind of the good guys, but bad guys. So, and it ultimately that brought my that brought my dad and I some joy together was watching wrestling for sure. That's cool. I I know I hear a lot of people like our age and even older, like in their thirties, say that they grew up on WWE. Like, that's, yep. I guess that's what a lot of people watch. What is it about about it that drew so many people's attention? Do you think? <sighs> Entertaining the storytelling at its finest. Some stories are better than others, but. Uh -huh. 
they can just tell a story and just keep you in there. Okay. So you kind of get, it's like a TV series, you get locked in. You're it like, is, yeah. What's going to happen next? What's going to happen? Longest running TV series there is right now, yeah. as far as I know. Yeah. It's been, how long has it been around? 20, 30 plus. Yeah. Yeah. And then like, just like the big characters, I don't know. Kids just love it. Yeah. The cat, they have great characters as well. Yeah. Who was, who was your favorite? Uh, now that I'm older, John Cena. Yeah. All time, I'd say. Yeah. All time favorite. And so how was it um, participating? Was it like, did you get hurt a lot or was it like pretty easy to stay like in pretty, like to maintain your health or? So I didn't wrestle very many matches, mm-hmm. but I'd say I was injured twice. My very first or second practice Somebody picked me up and suplexed me right on my head, and I had yeah. a concussion. I didn't want to tell my coach yeah. anything about that because I was so scared. Like, mm-hmm. oh man, I don't want to stop already. Like, it's my second day. Yeah, and I kept going and kept attending, but there was a lot of uncomfortability in there. Mm-hmm. But in order to achieve those dreams and try to accomplish them, goals is like you got to be uncomfortable. Yeah, absolutely. And so there was that injury, the concussion, and then my shoulder. Yeah, dang. So. But you do get like, like it is pretty rough, right? Like you, yeah. They throw, oh, it's throw all each other on the round. Yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah. It's a lot it's of, all. yeah. Everyone says wrestling's no, it's not. It's just scripted, it's but it's still like, it's a lot of like, yep, dinging it. Like it's, it's real. Um, Perfectly choreographed. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And then some like these. I don't know. I see it on TikTok, like WWE clips. That's probably where I've seen most of my WWE yeah. <laughs> history. But like. Some of the old ones where they actually did hit each other with a chair and like made oh, yeah, heads bleed heavy. and just mm-hmm. like crazy wow. shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like one match hard. I was in was a steel cage match. Oh my gosh. Ooh. So, with a lot of people, like a lot of people in the was, ring or just two guys? It was a three on three. Three on three. And uh, we talked about a spot in the match where there was going to be thumbtacks. Ooh. I, I said there was one thing. I didn't want to happen more than anything. And that was have thumbtacks in me. Mid match, somebody pulls me over and says, Hey, are you ready? <laughs> I said, What? Oh, my he God. said, We're going over. And there was this big jacket filled with 100, 200 thumbtacks just right there. And I, she, he said again, Are you ready? I said, What? We're going over. All right. Picks me up, suplexes me right onto the jacket. Oh, man. Damn. Oh. It actually, it didn't hurt as bad as I thought it would because it's just all heat and heat in the moment. Like mm-hmm. your adrenaline is going when you're in front yeah. of a, a lot of people. So, yeah. did you? Was it on your back? Yeah, it was on my back. So, in my, in my triceps, you had a lot of pinholes after you got up. I had a few. Yeah, <laughs> I had a few. <laughs> Dang, that's crazy. What was your, um, like your most uh, funnest, like coolest move or thing you've did in wrestling? Like you. It was, so there's two, I can't exactly remember what it was called, but it was two guys on the top rope and they were going for a suplex. And then I picked them both up and power bombed them off. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> like all, over the, um, over they the were, side they were, or? They were like on the corner of the ring, getting ready for a soup, like a suplex where they go over the top. And then I come underneath them for a power bomb, get ready. And then I slam them both down. Dang. <laughs> That's sick. Did you have that on video? Like, I do. I do have that on video. That is somewhere. Were those on TV? Were they recorded? Uh, they were recorded, yes, but not on TV. Not on TV. Was there like a live audience? Yep. Yeah, yeah I'd say about 
two to three hundred people at that time. Nice. That's fun. So you got some experience in entertaining crowds yeah. <laughs> back then. Yep. Yeah. How you said you did it for three years? Yeah, right about three years. What was that uh like when you started weightlifting when you did that? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Right around there. Yeah. Because those guys in WWE, they were some huge. Oh, they're pretty big. They're, they're some pretty big, big guys. guys. Yeah. And that was when, like, right before the match, like, I really knew I had to get my cardio in shape. Uh-huh. I knew yeah. I had to. Yeah, you need, just... probably need a lot of cardio for that, right? I, yeah. Oh, yeah. A lot of running around. And yep. Movement. And I cut. I knew I cut, I cut carbs for two weeks because you got to look the part yeah. you know, when yeah. you're out there. For sure. So. Got to. Did you ever see, um, like, now there's interviews uh, Hulk Hogan and uh, let's see who else, Ric Flair. Like those guys are doing podcasts now. Do you ever watch any of them? I have not, but I do know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. But they are doing podcasts yeah. now. I've seen some just because like they're on the podcast that I watch, like Theo Vaughn. So I've seen he interviewed Ric Flair. I saw that one. It was interesting because he told like all the stories from back in the day and what the guys were up to. And mm, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a it's a crazy thing for. A guy to be in for that long, um, yeah, it's a wild life. Mm-hmm. Travel, traveling all around, they were wrestling like every day on tour. I didn't realize they would wrestle that much because you just see it on TV like um, once or twice a week. Yeah, but they're wrestling in front of a lot of every crowds day. Every day. Do they yeah. still do that? Yeah, they do. Really? They do probably three, four days a week, and that's why it's like I that lifestyle is not for me. Yeah, I want to live with well my future wife Katie and just have a great life with her. I yeah. can't be away for x amount of time yeah but i know eventually once i do end up going on the road and start touring and going to high schools and really mm-hmm. speaking and my speaking career continues and grows yeah things are going to get more challenging yeah but it's all about sure. adapting and growing and like this is for a greater purpose yeah absolutely so that's your like your dream your goal is to be a speaker and author on yeah the travel around yep. the world yeah yes um and I, I do want to talk about my book a little bit. Yes, so absolutely. like when it all, it kind of starts in like a bullying spot where I was bullied by these two kids and they would bully me no matter what, whether it was for my teeth, my nose, my ears, yeah, whatever it was they did. And, and there was this one day where I went to the bathroom and I was so scared of these kids. These two kids came through the door, kicked the door open grabbed me off the toilet, got my head, put me underwater for 10 seconds. Picked me back up. I'm squirming. My arms are squirming. I'm choking. 10 more seconds. Next time they did it, it was about 30 seconds. I felt like nearly a minute where I'm underwater in my own feces, just crying, squirming, trying to get out, couldn't really breathe. And it was tough. It was tough. And I made two mistakes after that because... I went out after they left. I was sad, scared. I didn't tell anybody, which was my first mistake. I didn't tell them. I cleaned myself up. And then the second part, I didn't tell my, my dad. I didn't tell my mom either. Mm-hmm. And my dad was kind of abusive, which we'll talk a little bit about. And I wasn't able to shower. So it's like, no wonder why sometimes these kids would bully me or about my smell or something. Because quite frankly... I smelled like shit. I was inside a toilet bowl filled with my own feces, and mm-hmm. how do you can't get that stink off you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, do you think the reason, like, like I, I would be the same way, not telling anyone, but like, 
why is that? Is that because like, because we're afraid someone would judge us for telling them, or like, why? Why are we like? I know that's it's. I'm sure a lot of people relate to that. Like they're not being bullied or something, and they wouldn't tell anyone. Afraid of happening for it happening again. Mm -hmm. You have that. You're intimidated by your bullier. Right. Yeah. And also, I I lived in a house with a bully, which was my father. Yeah. That. That's. Yeah. So like makes sense you wouldn't want to tell him because mm -hmm. it's what you experienced from him right yeah yeah so how did you like how'd you move forward with that when did you get over it or was it just an ongoing thing um i would say the bullying was there always but the bullying wasn't as severe as that moment mm -hmm. in time but then it's like i had so many other things going on at my house at the time with my mom so yeah. Once again, I was around six years old during this time. Wow. And my mom and I, my mom, dad, and I, we would all go to Lancaster, Pennsylvania, because I'm originally from New Jersey. Okay. And we would go to the farmer's market, check out all the Amish farms. We always bought some rabbits. We had some amazing times here. Uh, Columbia Driving, I don't know if you ever heard of that or anything, but it's in Columbia, or was in Columbia, Pennsylvania. And it's just a great vacation spot for us. And then she was getting sick, and... Eventually, after she got sick, we had to come home from Lancaster on one of our vacations, and she had to go to the hospital. Yeah. She was in there for a bit. Then my dad and I were visiting his mom, and she was also not doing too well. But then we got the call while my mom was at the hospital and said, we need to get there immediately. So we drove back from, my mom, from uh, his mom's place and got to the hospital went up the stairs and i walked on the bed saw her in the bed curled up to her said i love you mommy and she said i love you too frankie and then died right there in my arms damn and uh it was tough yeah it was tough because i'm six years old i don't know exactly what's going on like i knew what death was but yeah. i didn't know what that like that feeling was yeah. I see my dad's hysterical I see her mom's hysterical and right after she passed we we walked out the door I was holding my dad's hand and I said don't worry daddy we're a team we got this we're, we're, we're gonna be all right and he's still there crying and not understood like his wife just died mm -hmm. <laughs> so he's processing it the way he had to process it yeah yeah that's crazy. I can't imagine that. Yeah. Six years old. So was that, uh, did your dad, like, did that put him in a dark spot for a while? Or did he, like, get through that? So I believe he was always in a dark spot from his past. Right. Um, he wasn't a great person all the time, yeah. but that surely didn't help. Yeah. And then a few weeks later, we were cleaning out her car, um, emptying out all her stuff. And he found some cards in, in there from other other guys. Uh -huh. So he found out that she was cheating on him. Uh -huh. And when we got the the hospital report back of how she died, HIV was on there, oh, HIV wow. and cancer. Damn. So he definitely wasn't happy. He yeah. took a lot of it out on me, yeah. blaming me, wishing that I was dead and... Uh, went to other these other guys' houses even and tried tearing it up, just banging on their doors, screaming, yelling, threatening to kill him. Wow. Were you the only the only child? 
I have a half brother. Um, we have different mothers, uh-huh. but he is in his fifties right okay. about. Oh, okay. So, so little, little like, age gap. Yeah, yeah, little age gap. Yeah, yeah. So at at the time, you were the only one yes. with your dad there. Yep. Yeah, just you and your dad. Yeah. Wow. So he said something about foster system. Did you go into that then? I did. Mm-hmm. I did. But that was after a lot of abuse okay. between my father and I yeah. and me being stuck in that cycle of violence of yeah. being told I was loved one day and hated the next day. And I was getting beat one day and not the next day. So we talked a little bit about DX and I had this fascination of that, that X symbol. Uh-huh. So I thought it would be pretty cool to write X's on my dad's brand new silver mercury sable. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, like you actually I did was, it because you thought it was cool. Oh yeah. yeah. I thought the designs were yeah. one of the first people that ever said like, like actually said like you thought it was cool. Yeah, yeah I did. I yeah. did think it was cool. Obviously you're, you're not doing it to hurt your dad. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And I would do that on his brand new car. And he asked me if I did. And I said, no, <laughs> I mean, I could never tell him like I did it because woof. Oh, that would not, that wouldn't have been good. But so I would draw all these X's and eventually he would start noticing more and more and more. And one day he even called the police about it. Uh, the police came into our house. I was about eight years old at this time. And they noticed some X's inside of our house. And the officer looked at me and looked at him and said, are you sure you don't know who did it? And I'm looking over there like, uh-oh, I stepped in some shit. Yeah. I, <laughs> I am going to be in real trouble. And my dad said he still didn't know who did it. The cop left and he looks at me and says, I know you fucking did it. I know you did it. I know you did it. And I'm sitting there at my desk shaking, crying. My head's starting to go down like, I was still denying it. And then he comes over there, rips me by my hair, throws me on the ground, kicks me, stomps on me, spits on me, picks me back up, throws me into the glass wall unit. Glass wall unit shatters all over me. I'm on the ground crying. He's still over there yelling at me, screaming at me, which is I was dead. I'm just like my, my mother, just any comment you could think of. He was just continuing to bash me and hurt me. I go back into my room. I crawl over there. And I lay down and uh, I'm crying. I'm upset. Like, I don't know how to process this. I don't know what is going on. The thumps, here he comes, goes into the room, uh, just starts breaking all of my stuff. Uh, Takes my old VHS tapes out, gets all the film out of it, rips it out, throws it at me, takes the VHS tapes, chucks them at me. Gets the wrestlers, throws them at me, all my toy, everything. How old were you at this time? Right about eight years old. Eight, so like two years after your mom. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Right about there. And that night was was terrible. Um, he left the room again. That this is all after he found out you did the stuff on your car. Yes, directly that same right. day that he found out that I yeah. did it. Um, came back into the room again. Uh pretty much the same process him yelling at me hitting me and i was just flopping like a fish on that bed just trying to avoid it and it it sucked yeah. it sucked he left one more time and i know i know i know i heard this voice in my head and it was god telling me that like no matter 
everything that's happening now, there's a reason behind it. Like there's a purpose and I know it and I hope that everyone can feel something like that in their lives. Yeah. Um, that's amazing. Cause that, that's like in that moment, that's probably all you had to keep. Like, that was it. That was yeah. the only hope I had. Yeah. And he came back rooming again. This time he had the leather belt and he just whipped me over and over and over, but all in spots where you couldn't see, like if I were to wear a sweater or something, it was always the legs. Mm, so he was smart about it. Oh yeah. Way. Very smart. Damn. Very smart about it. Wow. And, um, after that, like that cycle continued, that cycle continued for a while because yeah. he was upset about that. And at that point, that was kind of like a normal behavior between him and I. He would just tell me he hates me one day. He'd love me the next. He would hit me. You'd beat me. But yeah. another part of all that comes with this addiction, his his drug addiction. He had he was on Oxycontin. There were days he was on heroin. Mm-hmm. And it's when he was like fully in withdrawal was when everything was bad. Like right. you get that 30 day cycle of medication and you take them all in two weeks and the two week withdrawal period is, was a living nightmare. Mm-hmm. As I grew older, I figured that out. The timing of it. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Cause he wasn't all, he was never all that bad. Yeah. We spent so many times going to concerts like Sticks, Genesis, uh, Pink Floyd. So uh, Eric Clapton, all these great classic rock bands. And yeah, uh, one little story I like to share was when I went to see Sticks. He, we were in the first row. He picked me up, put me on stage because they were like throwing out these beach balls. And I run up to the lead singer Tommy Shaw, and I'm like, uh, I don't know what to do here. I'm I'm like seven, eight years old, young, picking me up, putting me on stage, and like that's totally against the law. <laughs> but I gave him a big hug, walked off the stage, and my dad got arrested. Oh shit. <laughs> So, yeah, so we, we, it's it's a good laugh. And yeah. like when I'm on stage and I talk about it, it's like it gets everyone to laugh. Too. Yeah, it like, lights oh, well. up the mood a little. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, but no, it's just an example that things were not all that bad between us. We take so many trips. Like we still came to Pennsylvania and visited his best friends. Yeah. Uh, we still made trips um, to Kate May. He was a big Kate May guy. My other dad's best friends. We would go to the Windjammer Hotel and spend so much time there. Mm-hmm with him and no things not were not all that bad yeah. but certain just certain times it got real bad certain times it got really bad yeah and it, so, sorry no, uh, no during this time like when you were eight and you were uh experiencing all that abuse was there anyone like another family member or someone in school that you talked to about it or was it all just like nope between you and your dad between and- me and my dad he told me never to tell anybody yeah. so i listened to him yeah and but interesting you say that because that's kind of where the next part of my story goes mm-hmm. is um, it was the World Series where the Yankees played the Phillies. And now I'm about 10-ish years old. And I just want to, my aunt and uncle, my dad's sister, man, I uh, I just wanted to watch the World Series with my uncle because he was a big Phillies fan. And... My dad didn't really care about sports or or baseball in general. So I went up there for the weekend and we watched the first game. Great. I don't remember who won, but it was great. <laughs> uh, the very next morning, my dad called, said, hey, Frankie, can you come home? Uh, we could watch the game together. I'll, I'll, I'll buy you. I'll buy you. I'll buy you some snacks. I'll buy you some toys. I'll, I'll buy drinks. We'll have some sodas. We'll have a little a mini party, but just please come home. 
And I said, no, I didn't want to come home. Like, I had a great time with my aunt and uncle. Like, I'd rather watch it with somebody who's into the game. It wasn't that I loved my uncle more than my dad. Yeah. I just wanted to watch the game with him. Right. And my dad starts screaming at me over the phone saying he was going to break all my stuff again and I'm going to have nothing when I get home and just wait. And then I hung up the phone on him. And that was the first time I really spoke up for myself. And How old told, were you then? Right, still right around 10 okay. during that World yeah, Series. Yeah, gotcha. And I spoke up and I told my aunt everything that happened. Wow. I said this from the small things to him smoking weed to us going into Walmart aisles and stealing toys, teaching me how to steal, to the hitting, to the verbal abuse. Wow. Every single thing I said to him or said to her yeah. about us. And then I lived with her. I lived with my aunt and uncle for about six to nine months and things were really good between us um but then it was right around christmas break of that year where things started to fall apart because i had my first home visit with my dad i was able to spend the night with him just him and i and wow did he shower me with gifts he got me a new playstation 3 really he got me uh, the new Call of Duties, new wrestlings, new action figures, a whole bunch of Eagles jerseys. Wow. Um, and it was so cool. And then later that night, like one of our hobbies together was watching movies. Mm-hmm. So, excuse me, was watching movies. And when we watched uh, movies, we were watching like a Rocky Rambo or something. But in the middle of the movie, he looks at me and says, why did you rat on me? Really? Why did you rat on me? Why did you why did you tell her everything that I did? And I'm sitting there like not knowing <laughs> what to say because, I mean, I, I was still scared of him mm-hmm. just because I was not living with him doesn't mean I wasn't scared of him. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of got awkward from that night on with him and I, but then he drove me home and then we were able to have phone calls every night for around 10, 20 minutes. And he would just tell me that my aunt and uncle are they're these devil worshipers. They're these terrible people. They only want you for the, the money that the state's given them. Like They don't care about you. He loves me. They don't. And slowly I started to believe him over and over and over because that same message was pounded into my head. Yeah. And eventually he said, Frankie, you want to come home? I said, yeah, I want to come home. Then go upstairs and cut up your cousin's Eli Manning jersey. So... <coughs> I took the scissors while they were all asleep, walked up the stairs, went into the closet and cut up the jersey. And I instantly felt regret because I didn't want to hurt him. Mm -hmm. And I didn't exactly know what that would have meant to him at the time. But I I knew that my dad wanted me to do something and I was going to do it for him. And I wanted to come home. I I did. So I did that. And shortly afterwards, I I was back home. My dad went through all of his classes and... He was approved for parenting me again, and I was home. And this is where, like, I start talking about in my speech is where I call it the escape plan. So once I moved back home, we had the state involved. We had DIFUS, which is Children and Youth here in Pennsylvania. They were involved. Mm -hmm. So when you originally moved to your uncle and aunt, did they get, like, the state involved then? Yeah. So your dad wasn't legally able to have you for a while yes yep 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 sorry i didn't clarify that no that's exactly how that happened and so we had all these caseworkers and counselors coming every other day or so and my dad hated it Uh and i still kept my mouth shut i mean the abuse kind of picked back up again Mm. and in order for us to not have them anymore those people come over 
he wanted to move to Pennsylvania. So with going to Pennsylvania, we'd be on a clean slate. Nobody would follow us over and it would just be him and I again. Yeah. So that's what we did. We moved to uh, Wrightsville, Pennsylvania. Uh, My dad's best friend, Tucker, he told us a great location to live at in Cool Creek. And that's what we did. We moved to Pennsylvania. Yeah. When you were, what, 11 at that point? Probably around 11, 12-ish. Yeah. Seventh grade. Yeah. Seventh grade. Yeah. Did you, you went public school, I'm assuming? Public, yeah. And switch schools, yeah. Was it, uh, how was it for you at that age to switch schools and all that? Well, I didn't have a ton of friends back in Jersey, so I feel like the transition wasn't as difficult. I mean, in my mind at the time, it was like, I'm losing all my friends from Jersey, Mm -hmm. but what friends did I really have? I never yeah. had any play dates or hangouts with anybody. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's just, you're comfortable in a situation. Yeah. It's always, yeah. It was more than like just me going to miss like my, my dad's best friends, Joe and Danny, who used to work at the wind jammer. And like, yeah. that's what I missed. And I still do miss that. Um, but after that, once we moved to Pennsylvania, I made a great group of friends, like mm-hmm. a core group that really like, elevates elevated me to just made made me smile yeah, <laughs> just it's i believe like your community is essential in life I and agree. you are the people you surround yourself with mm-hmm. and it's like there's so many people out there in the world you just find the right people that like you said they elevate you they vibrate on the same frequency just like yeah yeah people get placed in your lives at a specific time absolutely for a and there's seasons there's people that come and go and people that come and at the right time yeah i agree and some with my group and like they were some of them were able to some of them were able to like really see my dad and see how abusive he was towards me and as he got older the abuse did continue and he he would also start putting it on them too he wouldn't like hit any of them but he would curse them out Uh, i'd be very racial towards them and he would manipulate them mm-hmm. to, I don't know, get cigarettes for him, go out and do things for him all the time. Yeah. But then still bash them afterwards. And but they stood by my side. Yeah. And those friends who were with me from the start, they knew who they they know who they are. Like yeah. without them, I don't know where I would be. That's amazing. They they uh they probably saw like they saw who you were and they wanted they knew that I don't know, like even though your dad was hurting them, they knew that they knew your heart and that it was worth sticking by your side through the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. And they did. And they did. Um, so as I was in school in Pennsylvania at Eastern York, uh, I, like I said, I made a great group of friends. Uh, once I exited middle school, went to high school, and I wanted to participate in my first sport, mm-hmm. which was track and field. I did that too. Really? Fun sport. What events? Um, hurdles and javelin throwing were like my main things, but I tried like a bunch of different stuff. Okay, how far could you throw a javelin? That's a good question. I probably have it written down somewhere, but I can't think off the top of my head. That's okay. What, I, what was yours? <laughs> I hit like a 104. That was, okay. I, I wasn't very, yeah. it's like, I wasn't very good at track and field, Yeah. but I thought I was yeah. at least. I mean, like... Uh, at the time, I was kind of more like skinnier because I was, you know, my dad. I'm, I did, my dad really didn't cook a ton, but so I was eating a lot of ramen noodles and a lot of things. And mm. man, I thought I was fast. Then yeah. I got put in a race with some other guys. Oh, yeah. we're gonna be in last place <laughs> yeah. here. Like, 
well, yeah, <laughs> there goes that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I wanted to participate in track and field, and it was my first or second meet where my dad would call the coach and say that I'm not able to participate. He wanted me to come home, and that was it. He wanted me to spend time with him, hmm. and I said no. That was my first, second time, like really, like rebelling back and saying I I want to do this, mm-hmm. and he was mad and. Uh, made all them similar threats about breaking stuff and wait till you get home that intimidation and fear yeah. and uh hung up the phone and I told my my best friend Anthony at the time that uh what everything that was going on and then I told his mom and then the whole case opened right back up mm-hmm. because then she made the decision to call children and youth down here yeah which was the right decision. So up until that point, the state hadn't been involved since you moved? No. Yeah. Nope. We were on a clean slate. Yeah. So the state got back involved, and I lived with Anthony and his mom for about 30 days mm-hmm. and, and stepdad. But those 30 days were great. They gave me school supplies. They they showered me with clothing. Mm-hmm. They, they treated me as if I was one of the run. They were going to send me to a football camp, too, and they were going to pay for it and all. All the things parents do for kids, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, well, uh, some parents. Yeah, some. <laughs> but I knew one thing, and that was that I wanted to go home with my dad. Really? No matter what. It was different this time. I mm. knew things were great, but I wanted to be back with him. So 30 days, I told my, my lawyer during the time, because Children Youth was now involved, that I wanted to come home. And he fought for me to go home. Whether it was the right decision or not, like that was the decision I really wanted. And my dad was doing what he was supposed to do in classes and there was no, he still could technically take care of me. Mm-hmm. And I came home. So we went to court. I remember this court case like it was yesterday. Uh, they, they, My dad was announced that he got it. He got me back. And he goes outside, smokes a cigarette, and says, I won. I won. And then we go into the car, and I'm sitting there. He picks up his cell phone, calls Anthony's mom, the one that was taking care of me, and says, I won. I hope you die of breast cancer, you bitch. And, And hung up the phone. And I was just stuck in my thoughts, like, what? Why? I fell for it again. I'm back in this cycle of violence. I thought he was okay. I thought he was better during this time, but he wasn't. And I fell for that trap again. So things were definitely rough between him and I for a while still. I mean, the physical abuse slowed down because he wasn't really, he couldn't really hurt me anymore. I remember the one time where we were in a car and I... I don't know. I didn't hold the door for him or something on the way out. I didn't wait for him. He just popped me right in my mouth, right where um I was sitting in the seat. And he said, that even hurt you anymore, Frankie? I said, nope. So the physical abuse slowed down then. How old were you then? Four, 13, 14, probably. So I'm like freshman, freshman year of high school. Just after you had moved back in with your dad? Yep. After living with your friend? Yeah. Yep, 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 yep. Yeah, but then things really escalated the one night, and enough was enough. So I can't exactly remember off the top of my head right now what triggered it, but it might have just been like, I don't know. But I walked out into the 
the kitchen and just to get something to drink. I was gaming with, with Anthony. We were playing like Dead Island or Call of Duty or something. And uh, comes out with this metal cane to start swinging at me over and over. And I just ducked everything. I would hide under the table and make sure he didn't hit me. It mm-hmm. didn't connect. Um, and he walked away. I then, I, I say, I don't know the reason why he did it that night. Yeah. I really, I, off the top of my head, I don't. Yeah. I went back into the game room and, oh man, I heard those thumps happen again. And I jumped to my feet because I was, I was scared at this time. I was, I, I'm trapped in my, my little game room now. Mm-hmm. And he's in there. He's spitting at me. He's spitting on me, yelling at me, screaming at me, holding me there, yelling at me how much of a piece of shit I am, wishing I was dead and how I wish I wasn't born and I'm just like my mother just over and over and over and gets this cigarette out of his mouth, tries poking me on my chest. Uh, he never connected with it, thankfully, and the cigarette dropped onto me on my foot. But it's just like that night right there, I knew that was it. I, I don't know w- what else I could do. Um, eventually, once he left that room, um, I'm laying there on the floor crying, thinking like, Man, do, do do I do I deserve this? Maybe I, maybe maybe this is all my fault. Maybe I did do so. Maybe I didn't listen to him. Wow. Like, was that like a common thing, or was that the first time you experienced that? Where you're like, it's your fault. Or oh, it was common. Common, really. Yep. Yeah. Yep. That yep. I guess that's how he would have worded it. And made you feel like you did something wrong, so you deserve what he's giving to you. It's exactly. Yeah, exactly. And you didn't know any better. You were going to listen to your dad. Whatever uh, yep. he says goes, right? Mm-hmm. That's crazy. And a lot of times, I thought it was my fault, mm-hmm. and I, at reality, it wasn't. It was mm-hmm. a lot of his. Uh, withdrawal symptoms mm-hmm. coming out and going on me but i was like do, do i even want to be here do i want to live anymore do, am i better off dead like mm-hmm. this I, I i was so tired of it i was drained yeah it just so much pain i was in it mentally so much pain so that was over thanksgiving break and that's a sophomore year so he then or i went to school and after I went to school, I told the guidance counselor everything that happened. And that was that was it. My guidance counselor looked at me and said, Frankie, you're not going to go home tonight. Do you have some place to go? And then I started living with my best friend, Tyler, for two weeks. And, man, that was it was a great two weeks. Man, we played so much Madden together, so much <laughs> WWE, so much watching wrestling. It was yeah. so great. Um, but <clears throat> on December 5th, I needed to pack my belongings from my dad's house. Mm. And we went there, went upstairs, I got everything, but the vibe was different. Everything felt a little different then. And I, I packed, packed my blankets, my clothes, and he's in there just telling me how much he loves me and how much he wishes I would stay. And I, I wouldn't answer him back. I couldn't talk to him. I couldn't, words just couldn't come out of my mouth. And he just kept saying, I love you, Frankie. Why, why are we doing? Why are you doing this again? Why, why, why did you tell him everything? And on my way out, he looks at me, and it's like a, a full circle moment. He's like, "Frankie, I, I love you. I just want to be that team that we were when your mom passed away. That team." Damn. And <clears throat> I still couldn't. I couldn't talk to him. I barely even really looked at him because it just hurt. It hurt way too much because I knew what I did was the right decision. I had to tell somebody about what was going on. I had mm-hmm. to. Get into the car. Oh, and he starts screaming at the police officers, the caseworkers and counselors who were there, just screaming at them, making like, Tim, why are you taking my son away? Why are you doing this again to me? Like, he didn't do anything wrong, threatening them. And 
and then moving to Tyler's. So, on two weeks, it was uh, December 23rd. Oh, terrible day. Terrible day. Gloomy weather. I had a stomach ache, headache. Whatever you name, I was not feeling good. Got home. As at home as in Tyler's place. Yeah. Took a nap. Woke up to this this door knock on, on their door. Oh, I don't know what it was. But I opened the door, and it was my lawyer. Mm. He walks in and says, there's no easy way in telling you this, Frankie, but your dad passed away this morning. Mm. And that was like just shortly after you had got your belongings. Yeah. yeah. December 5th was when I got the belongings. December 23rd yeah. was when mm. that happened. And you probably hadn't talked to him in between that time. No, I was, in a, I was legally not allowed to. Um, it was two, December 23rd, 2013. Yeah. When the lawyer walked in and said that to me, I, I dropped to my knees. I was crying. I was upset. Like he was my world. He was everything to me. I loved him to death. Like no matter what he put me through, no matter what, anything, Yeah, he was my life. That was I, the one person you were with your whole life. Mm-hmm. You did everything with them. And it, it killed me. I, I remember going to the table crying and went upstairs, talked to Tyler for a little bit. And he said, Frank, you're going to be all right. Gave him a huge hug and he's going to be there for me forever. But nobody knew the pain that I was in that night. I lost the the, the person that I loved the most, like I said, over and over again. So he passed away and then life just kind of moved on from there. I continued living at Tyler's for the next three years, which was great. And that's, that's called kinship care, but it's a part of the foster care system. Yeah. And I mean, they treated me like a, like their son. Mm-hmm. We had some game nights. They fed me like a normal human. I was allowed to participate in track and field more often. Like I was, and I was able to like kind of live that life that I want. Like kids should really live. Right. And things were things were great there. there was a few bumps here and there, but I turned. I was then eighteen. Three years would go by, or two years would go by. Graduate high school and. I then had the opportunity to go through the foster care system, a place called Valley Youth House, where I had to live in a group home for six months, and then I would cover my apartment until I was 21 years old. And wow, am I so blessed and grateful for that. Um, I did exactly that. I lived in a group home for six months, and I said, this was my decision. Um, Karen and Tyler, Karen's Tyler's mom, would would never have kicked me out, but I knew that this was my way of going forward and really like creating my own path my yeah. own journey everyone has to do that at some point mm-hmm. yeah. yeah it's tough sometimes it's oh, tough yeah. breaking those habits and absolutely so you lived with in the group home for six months and then they covered your apartment f- till you're 21 yes that's, that's amazing so, i'm yeah. sure that was a huge blessing at the oh time. yeah so i moved into my own apartment in wrightsville and i found it and wow <laughs> so many amazing memories there just like having my friends over and just like I didn't really have to worry about the bills because, like I said, it was covered. They yeah. covered it. And I was also started college at the time, which mm. this foster care system also coverage, covered. And I was very grateful for that, too, because not a lot of people have that. Yeah. A lot of people who go to college do end up with a lot of debt. Yeah. And that's really tough. And that's really hard. Absolutely. Because um, that debt's, like, over your whole life. Yeah. If you, if you just go to college and, like, a lot of people don't even get the job they went for or whatever and then that debt's just there mm-hmm. their whole life like i mean nobody everybody's got different different circumstances yeah. it's like you just got to be grateful for what you have absolutely because we 
I'm sure uh, for some people it's tough to figure it out, but everyone has something to be thankful for. Yeah. And I th for me, I've been realizing the only way you can get more and move forward if you're just grateful for what you have and what you're given in the moment, grateful and enjoy it. That's the only way you can move forward and get more. If you're never grateful for what you have, you're not going to be given more, right? Yeah. That's how I look at it. But Yeah, so then... I continued on with college. What did you do? In, what did you study in college? Social work. Social work. Social work. I went to Hack for two years, and then I transferred over to Millersville, mm -hmm. and I got my bachelor's and master's degree in social work. Mm -hmm. But during that time frame was when I started writing my book. Mm -hmm. So I was okay. about 18, 19 years old, and wow. I knew I had a story to tell. Yeah. And like, my book goes to so much more detail than what we just talked about yeah. today. And... It's like I knew that is going was was and is the answer to all of any type of success that I have or will have in my life is because yeah. at the end of the day, my journey is to tell other people that no matter what they've gone through, they can still go through it or they can still push through and they can still succeed. Yeah. They don't have to follow through those same patterns and same things that their parents have taught them like they can create their own path they can make a difference themselves mm -hmm. yeah that's amazing that like you were 18 you started writing your book already like yeah so young you're like all right i have the story i have a mission i can mm -hmm. help people with this and it was it was really challenging because i was writing and rewriting all of those hard moments that happened in my life. Like, did was, you do it all yourself or did you have like a writer help you? No, it was all myself. That's amazing. That's a lot of work. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, all by myself until like I finished and then I, ha I hired an editor who yeah. was outstanding and really worked with me very well because wow, was this a complicated book. They uh, It was actually cut 200 pages short. Mm. My book is almost 300 pages now. And like I said, cut, think about it, 200 pages short, they cut out. So it's like, there's a lot of story. Yeah. To tell still. Absolutely. So I was going to ask, do you have more book ideas or just like a part two of the same one? Or <laughs> uh, I kind of tell everyone the same thing. I really hope not. Yeah. I really don't want to write another book, yeah. but <sighs> my heart's telling me that there's a real possibility of it happening late in the future. Yeah. When I'm older, 50s, yeah. 60s, like I can see myself writing For another, sure. a second book, like yeah. with all the things that I have done in my life. And I mean, I don't want to, <laughs> I really don't. <laughs> How long did it take you? Like when you, from when you started to when you were ready to give it to the editor? So for, I was 18 to 19 years old and it was right about until I was 22, 23. So about four to five years. Yeah. Because I mean, it, motivation comes and goes. You can be motivated right. for so long. So it was like you went through phases where you would write a bunch or did, yep. and then you put it away for a little bit. Exactly yeah, that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I wasn't in a rush. Yeah. I didn't need to be in a rush. I'm, I'm still young. and But w what am I going to do then? Yeah. Uh, is it ever going to come out if I, if I keep that same mindset? So I became really determined and I was driven to finish this thing. So I, I would go and call my dad's best friend, Joe, who owned the Windjammer. Uh, down at Seaside and I would go there for a week at a time sometimes and I would absolutely stay in that hotel room from day and night until around like I wake up around 8 a.m. until 6 or 7 p.m. and I would type all day long all day long all week I would lock myself in that room 
no contact, turn my phone off, turn everything off, I'd put some piano music on, and I would grind that book out. That's hardcore. It was, but that's what I needed to do. And yeah. at Seaside is around three and a half hours from where we lived in, where, where, where we live in Pennsylvania. Yeah. And that was how I could finish the story. Yeah was by writing, locking myself in there and getting it done. And like, I needed to be there. I felt like I needed to be there because I had so many great times with my dad there. Mm-hmm. And like I said, that was his best friend too. Yeah. So like when you were recalling like your childhood and all your stories when you were writing, was that tough to do? Or did you, just, is, was a lot of your memory just like still there fresh on your mind, like from young childhood days? Both. All my memories are very fresh in my mind. Fresh in my mind. (laughs) All my memories are fresh in my mind. Like everything that has ever happened to me is still right in here. I can't forget it. Yeah. And at the same time, I don't want to forget it. Yeah. Because all these stories that I can share will help somebody. Yeah. Whoever listens to this or any other podcast or any other speech that I'm on or reads my book, that's all there. Yeah. It's all there. All that knowledge and all that purpose is there. Yeah. And yeah, it was very hard to write everything down. Yeah. Like it sucked. <laughs> yeah, it's like the hardest part for me ever to tell in, in my story is always when I talk about that last two week period when my dad died and just how I felt because it's like wow, my life felt like it was over. And still to this day, people don't people don't really talk about like the whole grief thing. Grief will come and go mm-hmm. all the time. It doesn't matter. There's there's five stages of it, but they'll come in any order on any any given day. You don't get over it. You yeah. learn to live with it. Yeah. But yeah, then I finished the book. The book came out, and then I started getting a few opportunities here and there to speak. Was that um, was that like the goal beforehand, or is that just kind of what goes with a book? If you have a book and then like it does well, people want you to talk about it. But you wanted to be a speaker anyway, right? Yes and no. Like I, my biggest vision is my book to become a movie. Oh yeah, and it's got the perfect it's got the perfect script for it, man. Yeah. It's got everything. It's like detailed to the max. Fuck yeah, bro. <laughs> um, the speaking thing just kind of came with it. Yeah, I really, I, I felt like I had had it in me to speak, but man, even to this day, coming here, come wherever I speak. I want to throw up right Dude, beforehand. Man. I, I, get, I get so nervous before I have to talk. Yeah. It's so weird because like we're talking, we're fine. Nothing's bad is happening. But like I get so nervous before I have to talk to someone new. I'm I'm the same way. Oh, yeah. yeah. And like I've uh, I've talked on stage now with uh, the last one I did was a big one in Shippensburg High School, which was awesome. There's over 1100 kids, two, yeah. two different speeches yeah. uh, that same day. But wow. Oh man, the days leading up, I'm like terrified. I'm like, yeah. wow, I wish I don't want to do this anymore. Please yeah. don't, don't, don't put me up there. I, I don't want to do it. Just let me this. stay at home and sleep. Yeah, please, today. please. Yeah. But I get on there and it's like, whoa, this is natural. The first, like I said, after that first five minute hump is like, I got this. Yeah. Fuck yeah. And you really can't not have this. Like, you know your own story better than anyone else. Yeah. It's just like you let, for me, it's like the only thing stopping me is letting like my fear of, I don't know what other people think or what, yes. of something going wrong. That's the only thing stopping me. It's not re- like it's there. I can, the only thing holding me back is me. It's like, if I have something to say, it's just my fears of what other people are, are going to think is what's going to stop me from saying it. Yeah. That's what I'm scared. I think, but I don't know. Not that though, but I'm just nervous. 
a conf- confrontation. It is anxiety. I don't know. That's, I've noticed that. I never in my life knew what it was when people talk about it, but then I realized that it's just my life. That is, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's okay because everybody has yeah. anxiety. Yeah. It's, it's like, it's like a signal that's there for a reason, but it's just like, you got to learn how to manage it, I guess. Cause mm-hmm. like it can tell you, it can help you out and tell you what you need to do here and there. But if you just live in, live, live in that, it's going to ruin your life. Cause for me, I struggle the most with like living in the moment. Cause I'm always thinking of the future or what I did well in the past, but it's like, it's all about like right now. It is. And that's a hard thing to and really that, think about. Yeah. And anxiety fucks that up. Cause you're like worried about what you have to do in an hour or about what went wrong behind you instead of right now. So yeah, if you get rid of that, so that's what I've been working on for myself is getting rid of anxiety and worry about the future and past and just find the find a way to make right now the best. Yeah, no, that's it's yeah. find find the find the joy in the moment because there's always something. Yeah. But it's a it's uh it's life. It's you're always learning, you're always learning something new. You thought something was right and then like, oh no, that's wrong. No, that's right. wrong. All right. How yeah. are we gonna regroup and overcome this one? Yeah. I mean I think everything happens for a reason. I agree with that. At a certain time Mm -hmm. period in life when you can actually handle it because there's never going to be a perfect time for something bad to happen for you. Yeah, I agree. Ever. (laughs) It's just, it all all happens when it needs to happen so you're prepared for the next thing. It's like, I've, I don't know if you knew it was Amish. I grew up Amish. So like I went, I didn't go through anything like you, not at all, but like I went through a lot of changes and things in my life so it uh it just like i don't know it just it was, it was all part of like i feel like it was all just part of the story to get me to where i need to be like everything happens to like make me think this or think that and then do this or do that yeah so it's like yeah it's always it's an it's interesting to look in the past and see things that happen you're like okay if that wouldn't happen then Right now, I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be who I am. So that's all. So I agree. The dots connect. Yeah, basically, with uh, everything happens for a reason. I agree with that. It's like, it's all like, like I used to like regret things or like, like I did something, then it'd be like, oh man, that was bad. How can I? But now I just like look at it as like that was supposed to happen. But I like look at it as why did that happen? Yes. What can I get from that? You know, instead of like, oh, I should have done that differently. I didn't do it differently, so I shouldn't have done it differently. Mm-hmm. I just need to realize what I can learn from that and move forward, things like that. And sometimes, so that whole why thing, why did this happen? Yeah. It's like that why might not come for one, two, three, four, five years. Yeah. And it's hard to like really realize that and it put that in your mind in the yeah. heat of the moment. And the one that really taught me about that is um, that track and field coach I had. Mm. His name was Mr. Artery, and it'd be a sin if I didn't bring him up because he he's the best father figure I've ever had aside from my own dad. Like, yeah. we're still in contact all the time today. We go on trips together, man. He like he was the perfect spiritual father to me, the perfect father I could have too. And I'm okay with admitting like I I have two dads, and that's 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 fine. I've, mm-hmm. It's taken a lot for me to really grow past um just having that one mm-hmm. because I, I i don't know i feel like i'm doing a disservice to him sometimes oh, but okay. like by saying someone else is my, is other, your dad is my dad also dad. Yeah. yeah like he is this, he's taking care of me ever yeah. since my dad's dad i'd go to his classroom every day when i was in high school like spend time in there with him i was 
he was just my comfort. He was my comfort zone. He was somebody yeah. that I can be that was there for me and could yeah. give me the best possible advice at all times. And yeah, you need that. Yeah, obviously that was exactly what you needed. It was exactly to, what to get, I needed. Yeah. yeah, and I still need it it's today. Amazing. Like, yeah, it's amazing how that happens. Like he stepped in when he needed to. Mm-hmm. So, um, uh, speaking of the future, now are you looking forward to having kids at some point, or what's your what's your goal with that? Um. Off the top of my head, I don't know. Um, I know that I would be a great father, and I'm still with Katie. We've been together for almost 10 years now. We're getting oh, wow. married next year. Yeah. Oh, she's she's everything to me. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. And 10 years, that's like... We were in high school. 15, yeah, so you've known her for a long time. Yep, yeah. yep. <laughs> she's been through a lot of shit with you, I guess. Yes, she had. She she came into my life after my dad passed away, like which was great, which is the right timing for it, because... Um, if it wasn't, if he was alive, we wouldn't be together. And I'm okay with admitting that. Yeah. Uh, cause I had an ex-girlfriend who I was with at the time who was, she was awesome, but he, he really put some nails and wedges in that one, which I talk about in my book, uh, which I mean, yeah. what can you do about it? Yeah. So that's tough. Yeah. Yeah, but hey, now you have the one you want. Yeah. Right? yeah, yeah, no, it worked out great. Yeah. I mean, I'm more than I'm more than happy with it. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's cool. So you're engaged. When are you getting married? June eighth of next year. June eighth, cool. Are you excited? I'm very excited. We're both very excited. Yeah. Like this is this was such a long time coming, man. I, I was always that well guy that wanted to get married at 21. Oh, but yeah. I I did too <laughs> when I was younger. But now I'm like, uh, I'll wait a little bit. There's yeah. a lot of people out there. Got to make sure for me. I got to make sure I find that one. I haven't found anyone that's just perfect for me yet. Yeah, no, there was never no. There, there's never a rush though. Like, no, no, that's that's what I'm saying. It's like, I, I don't feel was. like I'm ready. I need to. I have a few things to take care of with myself first, and then. But also, I feel like the right woman helps complete you, right? So, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, she completes me. I mean, she's been with me through everything I've really gone yeah. through. After post post my father, and whew, like I said, she. She's the best. Yeah. She is absolutely the best. And uh, that is living proof that you can break the cycle Yeah, right there. Absolutely. And a lot of, um, it helps a lot of high schoolers and, te- and teenagers realize, like when I tell my story, like, hey, you can still be in a relationship too when you're younger mm-hmm. and not treat them like your parents treated you yeah. or how you see your parents treat each other, Yeah, which is another big thing. Like there's a lot of domestic violence that happens within households between parents that no one talks about and no one knows yeah and the kids see that and they just think it's normal because yeah. that's what they grew up with mm-hmm. and then they do the same thing in their life if you don't go out there on your own and do some research for yourself like it's very easy to just get trapped right into that absolutely cycle. that was like the nice thing about my life like my dad went so many different places with like religion and stuff so yeah. like eventually i had to just like figure it out for myself i was like i can't just follow my dad with this i gotta think for myself that's like where thinking for myself in every area of life like yes. starts and that's like the biggest thing you can do in this world in the world we live in today is think for yourself instead of just going along with everything mm-hmm. else that's the only way to get to get anywhere well to get like ahead of the system really yeah. is to think for yourself instead of just giving what is fed to you from mm-hmm. the world I don't know. and also realizing like that community we talked about that team like we're all in this together. Yeah. Like exactly. 
it won't it's not going to do any of us good to put someone else down in any way shape or form it's not going to put us up so yeah i think i think like the main and one of the only things as humans we can do is that we can control is how we treat other like how we interact with other people yes because there's a lot of things in life that are the way they are they're going to be that way but at the end of the day you can control how you treat other people mm-hmm. and that goes a long way i think if you just like if you just treat someone well treat them with love and respect and that just goes a long way in for everybody yeah yeah so your book's on amazon what's it called a journey of hope, my a path, journey of hope. my path from pain to purpose. Okay. So look that up on Amazon. Yep. And then what's your Instagram? Frankie G three. So follow him on Instagram. Follow him on Instagram. Yeah. Stay uh, stay updated on his journey because he's gonna go be a professional speaker. Yep. Hopefully another book in like twenty years or so. But yeah, I think I think when you're <laughs> forty, yeah, forty of years. <laughs> when you're when you're fifty or whatever. Yeah. Because like right now is like half of. Yeah, we're halfway there. And you've gone through so much. So like when you're 50, you're going to be able to have like a whole different perspective of like the whole thing, I feel like, like from beginning to end. So you can like write a whole new new book. That's a really good way to look at it. Yeah. (laughs) If you want to. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, it's a lot of work. Yeah. But yeah, no, it was, uh, appreciate you coming. Thank you. I like, I love your story, dude. It's so inspirational. Keep doing your thing. Cause like there's a lot of people in the world that relate to you. And you can make a big difference. So definitely keep it up. Thank and, you. Uh, it was great getting to know you, talking to you. So yeah. Thank you. Wonderful. Man. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. It's it was an amazing blessing for you having me on here. Yeah. Like giving me this opportunity because you never know when that will be your last opportunity. Yeah, so you gotta take sure. every opportunity that you can. That's an amazing way to look at it, dude. Yeah. Just live life to the fullest. Live life to the right. fullest. Absolutely. All right, guys, thanks for watching. Come back next time. Have a good one. Thank you.